0: So gents, we are back with another Landlord Page podcast, and this week we've got a special guest actually, someone that people might have seen on social media, Chris Foster, who's the founder of a
1: business called Sponge. Being a landlord and a tenant and I saw this as an agent is the relationship between the two. If at the beginning it's just a transaction, you're going to always make it harder for yourself down the line. He's got a brand ambassador, I should say, Mrs.
0: Hinch. So anyone might have seen some of the re-shares and retweets and reposts that she's done, but he's also a landlord and he's got lessings agency experience. So I'm looking forward to having a conversation with him. Mike, what type of questions have you got in store for Chris? Yeah,
2: Chris Chris's business has joined grown from a side hustle into a, a big, big business selling into a thousand shops in the UK. And as you said, backed by Mrs. Hinch has meant that he's got a six-figure social media following for selling sponges, which confuses me as a non-cleaner. But it's an amazing situation that he's in. So when you have a business that's successful, where do you put your money? How do you do that? And why is he putting it into property is the big question.
3: And Tristan, what about yourself? For me, it's um, Chris has got many years' experience as a manager and director in property and why he got out of property and why he's using an agent to manage his property is is important. Um, I'd like to know more information on that as well.
0: Let's get Chris in and let's talk about his story
2: with him. Chris, thanks very much for joining us. It's great to have you on our podcast this week. As we said on the intro, the owner of Sponge and also a landlord, become a landlord on the back of his business success. So with a lettings background, quit lettings. Went into running your own business and then become a landlord. Tell us why.
1: Um, Well, becoming a landlord was accidental. We needed a bigger house and we thought it'd be better to retain it than sell it. Um, And so, yeah, we've decided to let it out Um, and uh, obviously used Avocado to do that. Have you always been
0: someone that's thought about accumulating properties? Obviously your business probably takes most of your time, Mm -hmm. but have you always been, I'm going to start to build a bit of a property empire or it just, made sense at that time to just keep hold of the asset.
1: I always wanted to have a property empire, but now in the market as it is, whether or not I'd do that now I'm not sure. But um, but yeah, that was the plan originally.
0: And do you think that's probably come from your lettings background, your kind of previous industry experience as an agent? It's often people that are in the property industry always want to be in property I find. So
1: yeah, 100%, yeah. 100%. You, I mean, you meet so many successful people in life, that have properties that rent out HMOs or rooms or whatever, or stand properties, and and uh, as a young, I can't remember how old I was, it must be nineteen year old, joining property. That's what you wanted to be, um, especially when they turn up in the flash cars and and everything like that. So yeah, definitely, definitely that's good, good stuff. It's good stuff. We'll get into property. Okay. First
0: of all, we we we've got to obviously talk about sponge. We've got to talk about your business, how it's erupted. Um, For me, obviously, following social channels and being very involved in social media, I see you all the time on Instagram and a bit on TikTok as well. So let's just talk about that, because it's a business which over the last couple of years has just gone bang overnight almost. So why did you start Sponge and quickly, how did it sort of erupt
1: into the business that it is now? Yeah, I mean, it was accidental, um, but I was looking to defrost my freezer. And I was looking for a solution that could basically mop up a lot of water. You could take it to the sink because, you know, you trail it everywhere. It's messy. You use towels, but then you've got to dry the towels. And so essentially I was just trying to solve that problem. Mm. Um, The only way I could do that is by creating a thousand of these sponges. Um, I couldn't find anyone that would do one for me. So I did a thousand. I branded them because I thought, why not? Stuck them on eBay, stuck them um, on eBay at the time and they didn't sell. So I had to wait six months and then I thought, you know, I'm going to pack this in, this is just stupid. So I started an Instagram and I basically just reached out to people and the hashtag cleaning. And I said, listen, I've got these sponges and if you're interested, you can have them for free. And I gave away probably 200, 300 of them. And then it all started snowboarding from there. And it was it was kind of the the free value and people were finding it, and spreading it on mm. on socials and then coming back to me and buying them. So... Brilliant. It was it was quite crazy and it was completely unexpected, but
0: so although this podcast is for property investors and bear with us listeners, we are going back to that. But we've got to talk about it because it is it's become a, a known brand and it's in so many different shops. But just, just in a in a quick summary, so people don't think we're just talking about random sponges, the big difference between, you know, the fifty P four pack that you're gonna get in Sainsbury's yep. to
1: yours is yeah, no, great question. So um, the the, pro- the original product is massively super absorbent. So it's made of a polymer rubber and you can absorb up to 300 milliliters, which is essentially a can of Coke in one sponge. And then once you pick it up, it doesn't drip at all. So it's it's incredibly powerful if you have something like kids or mm. they're always spilling stuff everywhere. And you can just one swipe, pick it up, take it to the sink squeeze it out it's it's pretty good and then we found along the course it did other things so it did damp dusting so if you had it wet you could wipe the long surface and the dust actually ripped to it -hmm. as opposed to just a normal duster where it flew up in the air so it it was multi-purpose and from that point on we we started developing a whole range of clean products. It's probably quite a good product
0: thinking about where we are with lime scale issues for actually landlords to leave in properties for tenants because if it's that absorbent and that good, then there's so much limescale issues around here for, for end-of-tenancy cleaners, it becomes a real issue. And if if a tenant's been in there for three years, you know, they're not getting that all off, but actually if they could just wipe it down yep. from scratch, it would probably make a hell of a big difference. So and where did the business erupt? What was the kind of key factor in the eruption of the business and the marketing?
1: Okay, so we stumbled across, um Social media news and using influencers, which is essentially when I was giving my product out to people and they were recording it, sharing it. But and we had some growth there. But when we hit about ten thousand followers, uh, I met Sophie Hinchcliffe, who only had four thousand followers at the time, and um, we did a giveaway with her. Um, obviously, she's Mrs. Hinch now. Four million followers or five million followers, however she's got but we became friends and we were chatting behind the scenes and then she hit a million followers. She had this incredible growth that's never been seen before or like on Instagram. Mm. Literally hundreds of thousands of followers a day, unbelievable. Um, and because we'd become friends with her at that very small stage, we always stayed in, um, stayed in contact. Then when she got to a million followers, I said to her, um, can I send you a package? And obviously she was like, yeah, of course you can, Chris. And then we sent it to her. Um, And yeah, from a shout out from her, we went from 10,000 followers to 50,000 followers and it grew and grew and grew. And and she's been a massive ambassador for the brand. Um, And she still is actually, um, not so much because she's got her other things going on, but you will see a sponge product in her hand still. Ah, brilliant. Um, And we replicated that formula and and used Mr. Hinge and then used Charlotte Greedy and used Lindsay Queen of Clean. Um, and anyone that has an audience, we just try and get our products in front of. Yeah, brilliant. Now, it's,
0: it's the way to market a new product. I think in this day and age, hundred percent. So g- coming back into property, then, what was your experience as a lettings agent, and what were the what were the goods and the bads of being a lettings agent?
1: Um, so I started fifteen years ago, and when that was the case, it was a case of typing up a manual contract, like looking at a bank statement or payslip, typing up a manual contract, giving the keys. Once you got the money it was so simple and i think after 15 years we had the the input of like epcs and gas certs and all of these things that came in place um towards the end of my career i was finding that the paperwork to get a tenant in was just unbelievable um and the fees that were being uh, applied and that we couldn't charge the tenant anymore it had to go to landlord and for me, I was just like, "This is too much for change." So I thought, uh, "I would, I would leave the industry, as it were." Mm. Um, but good, good things and bad things. I mean, the, the, the one thing about it is, I absolutely love seeing people happy in a house. Mm. So like, that's the last transaction when you give them the keys and they off, and, and there's no better feeling, I don't think. Yeah. Um, the bad, I mean, lettings is lettings. I mean, where do, where do you start? I mean, the non-payers, the 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 people that trash the house if you're unlucky to get that, um, yeah, the angry landlords. It can, it can go on and on. I mean, you're dealing with humans. It's such it's one of those real difficult jobs that if you're not a people person, you can't manage people. You shouldn't be in it. Yeah, um, I agree. And I think um, you see that all the time. Like young kids coming and being estate agents, but don't last very long because. If if you're not forceful enough, if you can't handle situations or people around, you haven't got a chance, no chance. It's an intense industry. 100%. And and you raise a good point,
0: actually, because we've spoken about how things have changed for landlords and tenants over the last couple of decades. But actually, we've never really discussed the impact it's had on on the actual industry that we operate in. Everyone will go, let's leave the violins at home for a state agent. But Mm. it has impacted it, and it does also give... Reason behind why then the experience sometimes is what it is for tenants and landlords in agency, but I could see you nodding away there, Mike. Yeah, I was, was talking... I was harking back with some rose-tinted glasses to the, <laughs> the
2: one-page reservation agreements. Yeah, the, the the money taken in cash and the keys being handed over and that being pretty much your admin. Yeah, um, yeah. Being, bank drops being at done, the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> walking <laughs> yeah. down the road yeah. with a with a rucksack. With, with, with the cash in it it's, it's a very very different
1: very very regulated place now Where um, I will say though it did need the regulation it 100% is a better place for it but I wasn't the person that enjoyed doing that kind of the back end paperwork and stuff. I loved the front end um, sales the, the dealing with the landlords the, the interaction there when it became I was sitting at a desk looking at paperwork, trying to make sure that the EPC is right and it's got the right level and the gas cert runs out, I just, it got too much, I thought, you know, I'm not enjoying this anymore. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was it was better to get out. Um, and obviously my business took off and that was new and fun and shiny and exciting. So it, it made obvious to go. It's the ultimate side hustle, isn't it, that can
2: take over your profession?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's perfect. It's a perfect example of doing it. it. When you talk to your accountant, when you decided to become a landlord since you've launched your business, did you have any different kind of eye-opening conversations with them that you thought actually from being a business owner and a landlord, there's anything that can go hand in hand that surprised you? Was there any different conversations to how you maybe just viewed it from a lettings agent to a, to a landlord transaction? Is there anything that kind of flagged up and you thought actually there's, there's something in this is worthwhile in this. Was there any of those sort of combos you had?
1: You're assuming I've spoken to my <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I mean, to be honest with you I haven't because do, uh, do you know what? It was a case of I got married and then we looked for a house and the and the, the progression was okay, well let's either sell it or let the property and we just said okay, we'll, we'll let it um, and it just happened so fast. Like we offered on a house in November and we moved in in January like literally I was thinking we'll oh, just tick along here we've got loads of time um, and then they were calling me up in like December okay yeah pay your deposit over holy hell that's a quick who's that solicitor um, they might have to have a solicitor on the next <laughs> on the next podcast yeah, yeah. there's a few conversations <laughs> we so six, week. um, six weeks yes, it? literally six weeks it was unbelievably fast um, so those kind of things I didn't um, talk to the accountant about, and you're right. I completely. I think I think business owners have two different relationships with their accountant. They either work hand in hand, or they work against each other. Yeah. And I know that sounds really bizarre, but it it can happen. And I've, I mean, I don't want to say too much, but obviously I've had both. And um, and working at the moment with someone that's going to certainly be the former working together. Um, And things like that, will, as you said, will come to light, really. We often
0: talk about having a really good, powerful power team that you trust and having an accountant that works with you. And that doesn't mean avoidance, this, that and the other. It just means an accountant that can see the goal you're trying to get to and help you get there rather than just seeing the now and going, well, that's what you need to do for now. Actually having an accountant that's got a bit of future proofing for yep. your business and for your your self-assessment etc is I think really really important and it's it's definitely something that I completely agree with you I talked to loads of business owners and we've had business owners on here and they always feel they're at they're at heads with their accountant it's not the way to be so yeah completely understand that point.
1: I think I was very short-sighted in the fact I thought I only need a VAP return I only need someone to my quarterly books, I only need that, I'll do the rest, I can manage the stocking co, I can do all of that. And obviously I've never done product selling before, mm. how was I supposed to know? But then I didn't, I suppose I didn't know also that an accountant's a key player in helping me with those things. Um, so I think it's a bit of education on, on anyone that's listening I guess, that actually when you're looking for an accountant or someone to go out and help you with that, that's um, don't try and cut costs on that. Mm. Seriously, it's actually really, really important because you just end up in a, in, a, in a problem later on.
0: We had a recent uh, podcast with uh, a wealth manager or a financial advisor from, not from a mortgage perspective, but from a money perspective. And same conversation within that of people, you're not paying for someone to transact something or do something for you at that point. You're not paying for someone to put money into an ISA or into a share pot. You're not paying an accountant for advice in that meeting you're paying an accountant for the advice that they've accumulated over many, many years. Okay. And it's the same thing with us. You know, We've been in the job collectively for about 50 years between us. So when a landlord comes to us, they're not paying for us to find them a tenant, they're paying for the advice that we've accumulated, the experiences we've accumulated yeah. over the last 50 years. And that's that's where the value sits. And, and that's why we always say on this podcast, advice is so important. So, yeah, totally agree. What's the kind of future plans for you in more property? Do you feel that your business hopefully will keep going from strength to strength and you will add and you'll, you'll bring that dream of kind of building a bit of a property empire back or maybe not an empire, but some sort of portfolio. Would you like to buy a, an extra buy-to-let in a couple of years time, do you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, pensions as they are at the moment, you can't be relied upon. Um, so having a, a fixed asset would be best for us. Um, we've got the house now, so if we can make, and it's, it's, a, it's a relatively smaller house, if we can make the jump to a bigger one and retain that one, then perfect. Yeah, And, and do it that way, mm-hmm. as opposed to, Having the house, and then buying lots of little flats, um, elsewhere, I think actually progressively and slowly would pr-
3: would be the plan for us. More than but you've you've had a great win on your flat because what did you pay for it? One uh, one fifty four, I think, and it's worth mm-hmm. nearly three hundred, roughly, or two eighty, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, achieves eleven fifty in rent, so in terms of price return, it's it's great. It's doubled in value all, uh, under. Doubled in value in how long? How long about? Nine years? Eight years? No, seven years. So seven years, it's nearly doubled in value. Yeah,
0: we do say that the property market typically doubles every ten years. Is the is the normal sort of theme. So, uh, but I think what you're talking about that kind of step step ladder approach Mm -hmm. to growing a portfolio is probably quite common. Actually, we used to teach quite a few
2: landlords. It was probably some of the best advice I was ever given as a throwaway comment was. If you can get through your career or your working career having never sold a property you'll be a very wealthy person
1: yeah absolutely
2: because everybody upsizes everyone goes from a a one or a two bed house or flat into a three bed in ideally into the four bedroom family home for the long term and if you can get to the end of that journey at the age of 60 never having sold a house you will be far wealthier than
1: your next door neighbor who does the normal selling up the chain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean just as estate agents we all know the landlord that's just rich because he didn't sell the first one. Yeah. And the first one just happened to be in battersea which was a, a dive twenty years ago, but now actually sells for seven hundred thousand pounds. And he bought it for thirty thousand pounds or whatever. Yeah. And we, we've everyone knows those stories.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah is yeah, it, well we see we see around here, I mean I've I've been to see people in four-bed detached houses that have got properties which were built in the 70s and, mm-hmm. you know, they're worth close to sort of high sixes now and they paid like 12 grand for it. Yeah, <laughs> you think, absolutely. you know, well, I'd love to just buy that street back then. But obviously money is relevant, but that's the beauty of property. And I think we we mentioned it on the, that, that Wealth Advisor conversation with Matt Jones, actually, because I think you raised the point, Mike, it's when you put money into something or when you've got a business that's, that's a spreadsheet effectively that's the visual of a business the one thing that people have with security with investing in properties you can visually see it you can drive past it and you can check it's still there and you know it's going to do x y and z so that's where the confidence comes from but i think it's a really sensible way of kind of building you know building that portfolio up touching back on your business obviously you've had great success in four years which is brilliant what's the sort of what's the the 10-year plan what's the next six years sort of look like for you are you thinking you're going into different areas different avenues or are you going to stick in that lane and keep kind of growing it out
1: no i think everything's on the table actually um we are in the cleaning area at the moment we started with one type of product which was super absorbent and we've expanded into say microfiber cloths and, and like cellulose sponges and and little accessories for the sink and things but all in the cleaning domain. Mm-hmm. I would really like to see us go into say bathroom or beauty and, and maybe flannels and toweling and, and and just spread across different sections. I mean we're not there yet and it takes massive cash flow to be able to sell but also expand. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah we definitely that's on the cards.
0: I mean knowing your product and then knowing other products within the industry if a landlord was to leave a a maintenance or a cleaning pack for a tenant, for example, as like a move-in present with maybe some sweets and some sparkling wine or something like that. But if they were to leave a, a specific cleaning pack, what 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 items would you have on that list that you would advise a, a landlord to have, knowing the industry that you kind of work in? That's a
1: very good question. Um, I would say microfiber cloth is absolutely, um, I'd say some kind of stain remover probably. Um, Some kind of like general uh, top spray and then um, obviously a super absorbent sponge. You've got to get that in there just for, as you say, the limescale issues. Mm -hmm. Um, And probably that's it. You don't really need that many cleaning products to begin with, but that would be a good foundation. You've got all the bases covered there, essentially. Yeah. And what would you expect that to cost a landlord? Oh, under a tenner.
0: It's, it's crazy isn't it really when
1: yeah. you think about it <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not when yeah. you buy in bulk it's even, it's even less um, and yeah and, and, do you know what and going and uh, this may be your point but actually it secures relationship with the tenant as well to have that little gift there because actually Tristan said to me which I thought was quite interesting my wife for our tenant um, when and got a, a a daffodil pot plant and a card and some chocolates or something uh, which I thought was fairly standard, but just then uh, no one does that. Mm. And I thought, that's crazy. That's absolutely insane because being a landlord and a tenant, and I saw this as a, an agent, it's the relationship between the two. If at the beginning it's just a transaction, you're going to always make it harder for yourself down the line. Like if, So for example, I need a bit of post at the moment. Mm-hmm. It's much easier for me to approach that tenant and ask for that post than it would be if I'd have just said, oh, there's the key. You're now my tenant, give me my rent. I couldn't agree more, <laughs> I think it's...
2: You become a person, pe- the, the, the perception of a landlord, quite frankly, is is, is probably a, a fat old man driving a Bentley. Yeah. You know, the, the sort of evil looking guy who, who is just there to, to take your money out of your bank account. And if you humanise yourself, and you build some credit with that person, that's gonna come back to you in spades. And it doesn't cost much to, like you say, yeah. a bottle of wine and some chocolates. 10 quid yeah. tops mm-hmm. um, and, and a card just saying, welcome
1: to your new home. It's, it's just a small personal gesture, which, which goes a long way. I'll tell you a story, actually. When we moved into our house, the current owners had left a card um, and some chocolates and whatever, but they'd also left all their favourite takeaways in the area. And my wife, I don't know if she'll kill me for this, she actually cried she thought that was such a nice gesture to say, like, I hope you're happy. No one cooks on the first night or whatever. Mm-hmm. Here are some of my favourite takeaways. The Chinese don't, and probably was saying, don't go to the other ones. This is the <laughs> best piece one. this, Just that tiny thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: made my wife cry because she just felt like, oh, do you know what? We Connected. Connected yeah. with the people before and they loved the house. They want us to love the house. Yeah. And yeah. that's... It massive like literally. we had a
0: conversation with Vez who used to own end of tenancy cleaning company mm-hmm. and he was actually talking about the problems with end of tenancy cleaning and how it's an industry which is really hard to actually make work but that was one thing that he mentioned because he's a landlord of ours as well is that was something where he connected with his tenant was explaining which were the best restaurants and yeah. you know a couple of things in the property that you should be aware of because not everything works as you expect it to work. Some things are a little bit twicky, or there's a little knack to the window or whatever it may be. Yep. Um, and I find whenever you stay an Airbnb or even a kind of boutique hotel, that's just standard. It's one of the first mm-hmm. things you do. percent. check the cleanliness of the bathroom. Tick, I'm not gonna to complain to reception. Yeah throw the bag on the bed, and then you open the drawers and see what the hell's in the room. And then it's like, oh, there's a pack, and I just start looking at the pack. Start so.
1: eating the free shortbread. <laughs> and, and <Yeah. laughs> how, how excited do you get when there's a selection of teas oh, and, and coffees and stuff like yeah. that, and it's a bottled water? I mean, yeah. it's the tiniest bit, but the hotels have realised, actually, if we spend 50p here, we get back a lot more in terms of we get a review, we get someone recommending, oh, we get that picture on Instagram. Mm-hmm which uh, is is just so powerful for businesses and and I know that um that that's business but this is a business as well but also it's the relationship between the two it just makes it so much easier yeah. and we should be doing this as humans anyway no
0: we should be and we we mentioned you know you could split the landlord industry into three and you would kind of have the people that we've just spoke about there and that that connection that people have which is fantastic and then just just raw agency landlords that just use lettings agents and it's just completely cold from anything else. And then you've got your kind of your your private rental sector and some are fantastic. You can split that into two, some are fantastic, and some is rogue. And that's that's the sort of dimension of the industry that we work in. But if if there was more like we're talking about there and I think we actually experience a lot more of that ourselves because we we leave the tenant a, a, a little present and you know we've got a local kind of boutique sweet shop that we go to and get a nice sort of pack of pick and mix and nice avocado keyring and things just make them feel like it's it's a celebration isn't it it's that day 100%. the first day in your new home whether it's a rental property or it's a, a sales property and you bought it, it should be exciting to open that front door
1: it should be really absolutely. exciting absolutely and in fact going back to my agents first agency days they said when you're picking up the phone, you're telling people about the property. It's probably the worst bit of the whole job. And when someone calls in, you're sitting there doing it as a job. You're like, hello, I have a card. I'm sure you don't do this property. I can help or whatever. Um, my old boss used to be like, that's the most exciting call that person's going to make today. Because they, you have the property that they want to see. So when you pick up the phone, you should be excited for them. Mm. Because they're about to see their dream home.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, again, relationship. And you start off on that. Oh, do you know why it's crazy from avocado? Oh, you know, I love to see that. I love that house because it's got a self-hosed garden. Blah blah blah. Anyway, Rob's going to stop talking. Let's go and see it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like straight away, you've bonded. Yeah, and it makes the whole journey easy.
0: Yeah, energy and passion. I think it, it does get lost in the agency industry. Mm-hmm. So I've got one question: Are you going to go on Dragon's Den? Do you, <laughs> do you, need, do you need to go on Dragon's Den? I don't know,
1: but um. Yes, I, uh, yes I do need to go on Dragon's Den, I think it's the answer, it's the honest answer. They have the connections and, and can open more doors than I can do. I mean, it just shortens that learning curve, doesn't it? Yeah. I can do it for 10 years and, and get there in, my, in the end or not. Um, but they can just pick up the phone and go, hey, owner of Tesco's, you need to be stocking this. Mm-hmm. So it, it's that. Um, someone did send me an application the other day, so which was really bizarre. So you asked that. Um, I think
0: because it's current at the moment because I think Stephen Bartlett, you t- talk about social, but Stephen Bartlett brought that social connection to yeah. it because it was a bit oldie-woldie drunk yeah. instead. Yeah. But I've started watching it now because I'm like, actually, it's interesting because he's looking at it from, is that Instagram Instagram ball? is always the thing that you would look at and obviously your product clearly is because that's why it's, it's grown on Instagram. But yeah, I just asked that, that kind of question out of tongue and cheek more than anything, but it's something you considered. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think... I, and again, I've learned this when I was before in business, it was like you do your business, you do it on your own and you grow it on your own. And do you know what you can only go so far? I learned very, very early on that actually the more people that you connect with and you say, let's do a joint venture here, let's connect here, the doors open and the, the path to success becomes a lot shorter. Mm-hmm. So there's no... Um, I would have no qualms getting with someone and saying, "Okay, let's let's do it together." Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, certainly the the people in Dragon's Den would be able to help with that. And there's other people that could do that as well, definitely. For sure. Yeah. Um,
0: which um, Which shops have you managed to get the product into? You know, how do those conversations go? Which Which stores and which things are you into at the moment?
1: Yeah. So we started um, with the Yorkshire Trading Company, mm-hmm. uh, which is obviously in Yorkshire, and they've got about thirty-two stores. They were the first store to, to take us and I had to drive up there in my suit and I was so nervous and so I was like this is my product. Um but now it's it's progressed I do have someone that works for me who's like a sales agent and, and he does the heavy lifting because that's the industry that he's in Um but we're in the range the range is a big stockist with us and they reeled all the time Uh and is probably the largest cleaning store that we're in um, and then we've do quite a few wholesalers, uh, QD stores, semi-chem at different stores. Yeah, there's quite a few now Um, and yeah, always adding to that that portfolio really. Brilliant. Um, But the hard thing is actually not getting it into a store, the hard thing is getting it twice into a store, Mm -hmm. which I never quite realised. Getting in there the first time is difficult, but not the final game. The final game is actually reselling to them over and over again. And you really want to become a something that you see on the shelves all the time, like toilet paper, like Andrex or Heinz or whatever, like you go to Tesco's, you know that's gonna be there. Mm-hmm. Like there's no question, that's where yeah. you wanna be. Yeah. And for obviously going back to business point of view, you look at your, you can look at your cash rate and go, Well, I know I'm gonna get that from that all the time, and then that's perfect.
0: Love that. Well, I think, you know, from this conversation itself, there's definitely something in landlords supplying tenants with some sort of pack so maybe that's something we talk about off camera and, and see what can be created because for the sake of 10 or 15 quid it seems like a no-brainer for, for landlords which would be which would be really good and it's a nice place for them to start because it's going to protect their asset at the end of the day so yeah I appreciate that so I'm going to pass over to Tristan he loves the uh, the last three questions we used to call them quick fire they're not quick fire anymore so we just call them the bullet points at the end really and
3: uh, over <laughs> to you if you try to keep it short, but um, basically answer with your personal opinion. Okay. Um, so the first question is, what happens next to the property market? Oh, God, my days. Oh,
1: well, I'm not in the property market, so... <laughs> That's so what so we d- like to catch. Disc- Discard whatever I say. Completely. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's, it seems to me at the moment, it seems stable. It seems like there's a lot of demand out there. Um, everybody I'm, I'm hearing from, especially in the rental markets, they can't find something. Well, it's moving too fast so um, at the moment I guess in the prices are going to increase whether or not that stops I don't know I wish you hadn't asked me that question I have no idea basically it's, it's
0: good to know someone who is a landlord a former estate agent a successful business owner doesn't know the answer to that question no. and that's that's why we do what we do because actually sort of admitting that, yeah, I haven't got a clue, It's a really good thing for us because we try to put as much content out there to give people as much information as we can. We don't have a crystal ball, so we can't 100% predict it, but with a bit of education and experience, we can try and get it right. I think we've got it right the last two years so far, so we'll see how we get
1: on this year. And in all honesty, that's exactly what I do when I'm looking for advice from anybody. I go to the people that are in that industry. Mm. Um, So I would go to you guys at this stage and say, okay, what's happening? do I need to sell it, do I need to keep it, or yeah. blah, 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 so yeah. But
3: hopefully my tenancy is done, it's secure, it's and locked it's in, in, my assets are okay. So if you invest in the perfect buy-to-let property, what does that look like to you? Um, Well, buy it cheap and, and
1: get a good yield out of it, really. Um, would you stay local to where you are now, or would you... Would you go afield? What's your view on that? I've always been told to only buy where you know. So I probably transact somewhere where I know the market, I know the type of people that are there. I can give some advice to uh, how to do local things or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you go too far out, you, you lose that. It's it, Again, it just becomes a property transaction. and it's You lose that kind of uh, intimacy mm-hmm. of knowing what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, I think that's sensible. I think we, we, we say to a lot of people that are inexperienced in property investing, stick to where you know is is normally a safer bet, I would say.
2: And if you're if you're cash rich and time poor because you're running your own business, then it takes a lot of hours to go and research a property which is a hundred miles from your house, rather than going to see it to try and buy it. It takes a lot of time to figure out what the area is like, what the people are like what the demand's like, what the demand will be like in five to ten years, what the progression of the area is like. You don't know that. If you've lived or worked in an area for ten years, you know that. It's in your head. It's just ingrained in you. You know everything about it and you can make a decision.
1: Snap, off the bat, no problem at all. So that's why people stay local. I think you'd have to be pretty wealthy just to buy somewhere and not have any other clue about what the area... I mean, it's a big purchase buying. It's not something you should do. It's not like buying a microphone or a cup of tea. You need to put research in there. If you don't know, then you shouldn't really be transacting there. Yeah, I
3: think so. And finally, what's the best single piece of advice you can offer a landlord? Um, Treat the property or give the property to the
1: tenant as you'd want to receive it yourself. Um, In personal experience, literally last month, I mean, I had to spend £2,000 just to get the property, not in a livable condition, but certificate-wise and everything. Um, and although that hurt, I thought, you know, actually, know no, that's right because now I feel safe. I know that the property looks good and, and I can walk away from that comfortable knowing that that tenant's safe and secure there. Um, if I'd have left it, I think there would have been something in the back of my home. You can't, but there would have been something in the back of my mind thinking, oh, that, that wasn't right. So, yeah, leave a property or give a property as you'd want to receive it, really.
0: And the last question for me is the name. It's spelt differently to
1: how you'd expect to spell sponge. What's the story behind that? Where where, where did that quirky name come from? So that was my wife. Um, I asked her to think of a name and she didn't come up with one for all day. And then finally she sent me a message because she was out somewhere. And she'd put H2O in the middle of sponge, as in the uh, water going into the sponge. And, And literally that was it. And that was after weeks and months of me trying to think of a name. She came up with it in 2.4 seconds, purely because I was just bugging her. It's
0: funny how many businesses come up with something that's almost there, go all the way around, 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 and then come back to it and go, actually, it just needed that little tweak. And I think we've done that on numerous things with websites and branding and all sorts. So it doesn't surprise me that it was something as simple as that. Um, Thank you so much for joining us on podcast. It's great to hear about your business. It's great to hear about your um, property experience as well. So uh, really appreciate your time.
2: No, thank you for having me. Gents, I'm sure you'll agree, a really interesting chat with a chap who's done incredibly well from a business in four years, from um, taking time off his, his lettings director role to put sponges in envelopes, to having factories and contacts all over the world in in what he
3: did. Tristan, what's your biggest takeaway? A couple of things for me. Uh, one is his key piece of advice: invest where well, you know, and that's come up a few times in our in our podcast. Uh, and secondly, the reason he got out of agency was because of all the legislation and paperwork involved. He didn't want the headache of it, and that was the main reason he left. Uh, on top of his business, obviously blowing up, but um, for those, it was definitely that for me.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the takeaway that we can help landlords with is the legislation, it's the power of having a, a managing agent and not doing it privately, you are up to date with it all. Um, I actually re- just really enjoyed the story of, of how he grew his business and although we said flippantly there it's you know four years old, two years of that, we've had obviously the COVID, so um, to actually grow that business through the power of social media, it just shows how from a generational point of view, businesses are changing in the way that they blow up, So. Really, really, really interesting. And um, his idea of how he wants to grow his portfolio by keeping hold of his family homes and growing them not in a fast and really aggressive way, but just in a practical way that works for him. It makes a lot of sense. So it was a really good conversation. Guys,
2: until next week,
0: it's another one in the bag. I'm flicking through YouTube and through Spotify. I don't think there's a podcast or a video channel on YouTube that landlords could land on where they're not being sold something.
2: I mean, it'd be the first time any estate agents ever asked that question,
0: but why not ask that question to a wider audience? They just have the knowledge there, but they don't seem to share it. can do different episodes based around someone that wants an exit plan or someone that's just starting their portfolio. The rules change every year, yeah. but why not just open the floor out and just
2: say, well, Is property even the best investment out there? And
3: tax advice is a big thing, especially with everything that's changed, capital gains tax, and obviously it's stamp duty cost that you need to pay and whatnot. People don't realise what they need to prepare for.
0: We build a podcast, and we build a YouTube channel, somewhere that landlords can go and they feel they're not being sold
3: to, but they're just getting quality advice.